Welcome back to another edition of Tifosi Football Radio. My name is Christian Baldanzi-Attacchio. And this is Giuliano Caleri. And this is the Tifosi Football Radio UEFA Euro 2020 coverage. I cannot tell you how excited I am. Today is Monday, June the 7th. We are less than four... Yeah, we're less than four days away now, around that time, from the first game. And I'm talking about Italia, Turkey. We are that close. We are very close. How I'm do you pumped. Feel? I'm pumped. I can't friggin' wait. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. For all my Italian fans, listen, this podcast, this Euro 2020 coverage is about the tournament itself. We're, of course, going to be talking about the Azzurri because I expect them to go far. You guys already know that. The one thing I want to say, though, for all my Italian fans, it's been five years in the making. The last time we saw Italy in a major tournament was back in 2016. Giuliano and my kids weren't even born yet, so they've never witnessed it. This is their first experience. It's been a long time, and uh, we're on the rise. It's our time. So for all the Italian fans, enjoy this tournament. Drink it in. We deserve to be here. It's been a long time coming, and I just, I can't wait. I can't wait. So let's start off with that. Let's, let's get right into let's it. Let's get right into it. So here's how we're going to, we're going to preview all the groups for you. We're going to talk about format. We're going to talk about a couple of predictions we want to make, a couple of surprises probably. Um, I know I definitely got a surprise. Giuliano's got a couple of surprises as well. Um, you'll probably think, I think you think I'm more, a little more crazy than Giuliano based on what I think is going to happen, but... Uh, we're gonna t- we're gonna run down everything for you. We're gonna preview everything for you. So let's just jump right in. So we got six groups: A, B, C, D, E, F, and we're gonna talk about the first group. Coincidentally, the Azzurri are in this group. They are one of the host cities. Uh, Italy will be hosting all their games uh, in the group stage at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome. Beautiful atmosphere, half capacity, 23,000 people screaming in the stands. It's going to be great. We're going to see fans back in the stadium. And so let's talk about this group. Italy's in this group. Turkey's in this group. Switzerland's in this group. And Wales is in this group. Yes. So in general, based on all the call-ups, based on the squads that have now been finalized for Euro 2020, how do you see things playing out here? I think this is an interesting group for Italy. It will be a good... Good way to enter the world stage again. Yeah. Uh, some good tests against a very deep Turkey team. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be highly competitive. A strong defensive Welsh team and Switzerland. I mean, with Petkovic, they've come, they've come out, I think, of the round of 16 twice under his... Uh, come into the round of 16. Yeah. Yeah. Under his watch. And so then they fall apart in the knockouts. And then they fall apart right away. So it's going to be a tough group. I think low scoring. Mm-hmm. Um. I think Italy will pretty much have a cutout for them. What do you think? Here's here's the thing. I think Italy are downright, outright favorites to win this group. They should be. I mean, they are, uh, as crazy as it sounds, they are the most consistent team on the planet right now. 27 unbeaten games. Uh, everybody's had their run-ins. England, Spain, Belgium. The only consistent team that hasn't had a run-in is Italy as crazy as that sounds and the best thing is nobody expects much from this italy squad 
So Italy's flying under the radar. People have them as dark horses. That's that's perfect atmosphere if you're an Italian fan because that's when Italy thrives, when they fly under the radar. Uh, based on this squad, I, I think it's a pretty good squad. We've talked about the Italian squad so yeah. many times now that it's finalized. Obviously, our concerns are in the center back and the attack. Um, but, uh, you know, I have faith in Ciro Immobile. I think he's going to go off. I really do hope he goes off. Scored a goal in that Czech Republic. Yeah, which was which was very important for the in that friendly against the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. um, just for his confidence. I know our concerns are in the back there, Chiellini Bonucci pairing at the back. Defense is a little skeptical, but realistically, Italy are the strongest and most consistent team in this group. They should win it, in my books, hands down. Yeah, they should win. That's definitely Italy's glaring weakness and the biggest test. I think more so when they go against one of the big boys, yeah. established big boys, is going to be the defense. And I'm talking about just the defensive line. It's from front to back. Yeah. The the entire defensive performance from the Italian team, I think it's lacking. I think uh, the Czech made us look a lot better than we are. I think it gave Italy fans maybe too much confidence heading into the Euro, raising the expectations a bit too high. Because watching that game and watching them from previous, of course, as well, I have a feeling Italy are going to struggle to score goals. Going forward, although they have all this offensive talent, I just don't see fluid play. Two in the Czech Republic game, two big goals scored through deflections. You're not going to get that luck every game. You no. gotta, you're going to have to build up play and score goals. The finishing's got to be better. It's got to be cleaner. Got to stop holding on to the ball so long. It's just it looks really sloppy up top defensively. They look good right now. My biggest concern is when they go up against yeah. one of the big boys, yeah. like I already said. There's some glaring holes there. There is. Especially for me, Kylian Bunishu, we've talked about them enough. For me, there's glaring weakness on the wing backs, on the wing back positions. They uh, they don't convince me defensively. I, th- I feel like the wings are going to be a big hole in Italy's team, and it's going to be a matter of if any of the national teams can exploit them. The only positive, I would say, going into the tournament is that there's not a lot of established teams no. France probably being hands down the most established. So a lot of teams are in a rebuild. Italy's one of the teams in a rebuild. If you think about it, we're a little more ahead in the rebuild. Than exactly, the others, exactly. Right? They're, Italy, I'd say, is definitely one of the more established teams in the yeah. tournament, which is looking good for them in that regard. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you've said. Uh, but the, the Tifoso in me expects a lot from this Italian team. Mm. I have very high hopes for them. Realistically, before we get into the, 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 the other three teams real quickly, where do you see Italy? What do you think the target is for the national team here? Italy, hands down, for this tournament to be a success, has to go top four. Yeah, Semifinals. I, I would agree. I would agree. I have them in the top four for sure. Anything after that is gravy. Yeah. Would I love to see them win it? 110%. Yeah. Any, anything less is a failure. Yeah. For me, you know, to bring it back to the coaching a little bit, which you've talked about, in previous podcasts, Mancini, the only thing I'm a little bit disappointed with is I was hoping to go with a younger squad and use this as a, a platform. Just a, yeah, a platform for the World Cup. That's what I was hoping he would do. You see teams like Spain, which we'll talk about. You look at their team, didn't bring a single Real Madrid player, drop PK, Sergio Ramos, and they're going with a complete inexperienced squad, and they look fantastic. And you see other teams like, uh, I mean, France is a little bit more experienced, but they brought their young guys in Germany. He's brought in some young center backs. So I was hoping Italy would go that route, but 
it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, top four for sure uh, is the target for Italy. Let's talk about quickly about the other three teams. Do you see anything happening with this Welsh team? With the Welsh team, I think they're the whipping boys of the group. I agree. I don't expect much for them. I mean, no. they're two stars, uh, especially Gareth Bale. He had a mediocre season with the Spurs. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Ramsey, kind of quiet season with Juve, not that great. But the biggest thing with Wales and their new coach, Robert Page, they they have a solid defensive record. They don't concede too many goals. Uh, their last Euro, they went all the way to the semifinals. So there, there could be something there. I mean, but a lot of it's going to come down on the shoulders of Gareth Bale. You never know. They can get lucky, finish top three, and still get in because only two out of the third-place teams aren't going through. And they may have a a chance getting in like that. But one to watch from their team, I'm pretty sure many people have heard of him, Ethan Ampadu, young, uh, young player. He can play in defense and midfield, slick on the ball, good passing ability. I mean, he's a player to look out for the Welsh team. What do you think about, uh, I think, Italy, maybe their biggest nemesis, Turkey? In the yeah, group. Uh, I have high, actually high hopes for Turkey. I think Turkey is going to do really well in this tournament. I know a lot of people think I'm crazy. Uh, but you know what? Look at Turkey's last couple of performances when they've made the final tournament. I mean, they had a deep run in 2002 in Korea where they finished in third place. They had a deep run in Euro 2008. Semi-final finish. Yeah. They're, they're, these guys are just a very difficult team to beat they are they put what four past netherlands not too long ago in uh, world cup qualifying they this team is scary and i think the biggest threat is everybody's going to overlook this turkish team and that is scary when you look at the players that turkey has they have players that were on they have a lot of players coming out of italy uh they have a lot of players uh, that are one league, eh? one league uh, with, with Lille. Exactly. Uh, these guys, and who can forget the guy that's going to be pulling the strings for them in the midfield, Hakan Chalanoglu. Like, no, I know. There's a lot of good pieces in this team. Turkey is known for being hot-headed and being very reactive. So, I expect to see some fouls. I expect to see some mistakes. Um, but. Uh, I expect Turkey to do well. This I think Turkey on their day can beat anybody. Yeah, they have they have the team. Like if you go through the team, they got a top quality goalie in yeah. Gonok, uh, Selik too from Lille. Another you know another yeah. player of that Liga. He's a he's a wing back, Demiral. exciting exciting young wing back. Damaral may get the start, but you have uh, Soyonchu yeah. in there. Tususwolo center backs and Ayan and Muldor. I mean, the defense is there. They got a solid defense. Yeah, you and mentioned, young. You mentioned Kalinoglu, their star player in the midfield, though uh, he does play in the Turkish league. Ozan Tufan, the most experienced player in the squad next yeah. to uh, their captain, Burak Yilmaz. Yeah. Tufan, he's a outstanding midfielder, all-action midfielder, and the guy has a cannon of a foot, likes to score, Definitely. can take a free kick, Definitely. dangerous player. He's maybe their star man to watch out for. And like we already mentioned, Barak Yilmaz, the Lille striker, was on fire Fantastic. after making his move from Liga. I mean, from uh, to Liga. Yeah. And uh, had a big role in helping lift the trophy yeah. for that yeah. for the French squad. And he will be looking to continue that run. And also, too, with this Turkish team, I know Giuliano is not going to agree with me here probably, but 
There is some pace on the flanks. And Chengiz Under, we know what he's capable of on a good <laughs> Roma day. player, no, he's fast. He's fast. He offers a lot of pace, and he can definitely swing in the ball. So I think I expect big things for this Turkish team. I even have them finishing second in this group. Yeah, listen, they have the weapons. They only lost one game in qualifying. That's right. Only conceded, I think, three goals. So yeah. the weapons are there. They can do it. Definitely. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Yeah. And then the Swiss team. I mean. They're they are who they are. They're they're good at getting out of the group, but uh, after that, I don't believe they've won a knockout round fixture since 1938, 1939, somewhere around there. So it's been a long time coming uh, for this Swiss team. A lot of hard nosed, hard working veterans in there: Granit Xhaka, Jerdan Shakiri. Uh, you got Jan Sommer as a goalkeeper in that. Um, I, but I don't expect much. You know, the one thing I do expect the Swiss to do is I do expect the Swiss to frustrate the Italian national team in the second game. Switzerland, ironically, in our World Cup qualifying group, who will be playing later this year in the home-and-home. I just don't think the Azzurri will give us a satisfaction in beating them and showing them you guys got nothing to worry about for World Cup qualifying. The the Azzurri never go 3-0. No, they're they're going to drop drop points points somewhere. What What do you think is the key player? For the Azuri, for them to advance. Who do you think is going to be the star man in this team before we leave Group A? Well, I know who you're going to say. Mm-hmm. So I will leave that. No, uh, say it if you think. No, no, no. I, I honestly, I just think a player, I can't really, I can't really pin it on a player. Um, I can more so pin it on a section in the, it, it it's all going to be in the midfield. How the midfield carries this team, and it, I, I'm talking about that midfield trio of Verratti, Jorginho, and uh, Barella. I really think it all depends how that midfield's going to carry them. But if you want to talk about a player, everybody keeps saying Cheeto, 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 Cheeto. It all depends. We're going to live and die by Cheeto. There is a guy, I think, if he can somehow get into the starting 11, I think he's more reliable and he would be a difference maker and i'm talking about domenico barardi the arguably the most informed italian player on the planet right now he can create goals he can score goals he can do everything up top i think he's our most creative player up top in the attack and one of our best goal scorers not to mention that's right so i think he deserves a spot in the in the starting 11 and i think if you see in the he's in the starting 11 the offense is going to basically live and die by him no, I agree. I, but already I can't state enough how yeah. important he is. Um, but for me, the most important player, it, you know, with Mancini's system, having Senzi miss out already was huge. I mean, Senzi and Verratti, there's a reason why they sub each other off in the games is because they both act like a pressure valve relief system yeah. uh, in Mancini's system. They get the ball, they can dribble past the guy, they can take a touch away. They're very hard to get the ball off. They are essential to keeping possession of the ball in the Italian midfield and uh, beating a guy, making that final pass. So Verratti, for me, is the key man. If he gets injured, and he is flirting with injury right now, yeah, you're going to see a lot of the creativity disappear in the Italian midfield. But Ella's the energy. Jorginho's the, the calm, simple passer. But we're not. We are missing that creative spark that Verratti and Senzi would have brought. So yeah. for me, Verratti, if he's healthy, Italy can definitely go far. But if he's not, it's going to be trouble. If he gets injured, Italy, it's going to be 
a lot more difficult. Definitely. They're going to have to change up the game plan, I think. But that's why I think Verratti didn't play in that Czech game. You know, that that was the starting lineup for the Euros, and Verratti wasn't there because he's, he's trying to protect them. Yeah. That's how vital he is. You can't lose both Senzi and Verratti. No, you can't. So before we move on to the next group, do you want to just give us a quick prediction for your 1-2? My 1-2, Italy and uh, Turkey, yeah. Wales last, Switzerland third. Yeah, I have the exact same thing. Uh, I think Switzerland will squeak through as one of the best third-place teams, but I have Turkey and Italy finishing in the top two. Italy first, Turkey second. So let's move on to Group B. So Group B, everybody, Belgium, Denmark, Russia, and Finland. Belgium, the number one ranked country in the world, according to the FIFA rankings. How they are, I don't know. Um, but uh, they have arguably one of the best strikers on the planet right now in Romelu Lukaku. Um, they are bringing an aging uh, defensive core, uh, which, were, which is a cause for concern for me. The midfield is the midfield in Belgium, and goalkeeper Thibaut Courtois, it's no surprise there. Is this Belgium's time to do something? Yeah, this is it. This generation doesn't do it. That's it. I mean, I don't believe they're going to do it because you're bringing uh, Thomas Vermeulen back yeah. from Visal Kobe, if anyone remembers him. That's how... That's almost as bad That's as bad bringing Laurent Simon. <laughs> They're bringing Jamal. him back. Jan Vertonghen's in the team still. Yeah. Toby Alderweireld. So the defense is Belgium's weakness. Yeah. They do have the best attack in midfielder in the world, Kevin De Bruyne, and arguably the best striker in the world in the Lukaku. One of the best. Yeah. So Romelu. besides that, the team, I don't know. I don't think they're as good as they were. No, I agree. A few years ago, Dries Martins isn't the same person. No. But they do have some exciting players coming up, like Yuri Tielemans, player to watch That's out right. for, exciting Leicester, uh, young player, midfield, Axel Witzel, yeah. not young, but a veteran. He's solid. So there definitely is a foundation for Belgium to build off. Yeah. It's a matter of if Lukaku and the Bruyne are, are you know, just hitting it off and yeah. being in teams, it's going to come down to those two. Yeah, if they're definitely. on... Belgium could do damage to anybody. For sure. I mean, this Belgium team, I see them coming out of the group, but I don't see them going any further than the quarters. Uh, this is a team that could potentially run into Italy along the path, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. If this is the time to prove something, now's the time. And as Giuliano said, if they don't win it now, they're never going to do anything. So um, let's move on to the next team, a team that I think is actually a dark horse that could possibly do some damage, could possibly go deep. And I'm talking about the Danes in Denmark. Uh, world-class goalkeeper in Kasper Schmeichel. Uh, you have your captain is uh, was a rock for AC Milan and Simon Kjær. Uh, you also have that big, big, big monster, Yannick Vestergaard back there. Um, Christensen from Chelsea. Christensen from Chelsea. Uh, you go into the midfield. Who could forget? Christian Eriksen. Over 100 caps, over 20-plus goals from yeah. midfield. They're like, this guy got no credit Yeah, uh, at Inter. But he is he is a world-class definitely world-class player. Definitely. So. And a young up-and-comer phenom, Casper Dolberg from Lille. Yes. Um, so, I mean, like the Danes, yeah. they have everything. They do. They're yes. just they're a bit lightweight up top. They do have the players. They, they just do. need to take the next step. Cornelius yeah. there is from, uh, at the, or from Parma. Uh, Parma too. Yeah. So the, the players are there. Yeah. Skovolsen from Bologna. They yeah. have the players. It's just the matter of the forward score and the goals. That's yeah. Denmark's weakness. Yeah. Can they pull through? There's a big guy there. I'm a big fan of him. RB Leipzig owned uh, Yusef Polson. Everyone, this guy is six foot four and he's got the pace of a five foot nine winger. 
So this is a guy that can win you the ball in the air. This is a guy that's not bad with his feet. And this is a guy that's got a lot of pace. He's an all-around all around fantastic player. He's any coach's dream, I think, to have as a striker. Um, so if Yusef Polson has a run, has a good tournament, watch out. The one thing uh, that we will, that I will note here is Denmark is one of the hosts, or Copenhagen is one of the host cities. So Denmark will be playing all their games at home. That definitely has to play a bit of an advantage in the group here. That will definitely help. Um, and uh, I just think Denmark's going to do well. Let's move on to the next two teams here. Uh, Russia. Uh, Russia's now, you know, it's, a, it's an aging squad. They've been in the past couple of major tournaments, obviously hosting the world last World Cup. Yeah, had a really, really good World Cup. Yeah. Uh, but now they're going up against a Denmark team that I think is arguably better than them and a Belgium team that should smash them. What do you, what do you think about this Russian team? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. They're finally going in with a different goalie. No more Igor Akinfeyev. Yeah, it's about time. He retired in 2018. So Russia looks like it's going to be most likely Anton Shunin the 34-year-old from Dynamo Moscow yeah. um, will be the goalie. But it's a completely different team. Defense has changed. Long gone are the old guard. Uh, so it's all new faces back there. Midfield's more or less the same. But Russia, ultimately, their star player is going to continue to be Artem Juba. He's their big man. He scores all the goals. And it's just a matter of players like Golovin, Alexei Mirinchuk from Atalanta, uh, Magomed Ozidov, I just butchered his name, but Ozdoyev. It's a matter of these guys have to step up and score the goals from midfield. The talent is there in Russia. Russia is a highly talented team. It's just a matter of, once again, pinning it together. And they do have the star guy. Juba carried Russia in the World Cup. And I think, like I said, three teams going through. For the most part, I think they do have enough to squeak by. And I do give Russia a chance. Any players excite you here? Anyone to watch out for that you can think of? Yeah, the big one. Uh, Let's move on quickly to Finland. First major tournament, I believe. First ever tournament. Yeah. Uh, Got in through the Nations League. Yeah. I I don't expect much from this team. I think they're just happy to be there. Obviously, one of the weakest teams from Scandinavia. Which is is a reason why, depending on how they do. Because what it's going to come down to the third place teams is wins. And goals for are yeah. huge. So if Finland are a whipping boy, you score a ton of goals, you get a victory against at least one team in the group, you have a good chance of going through. Sure. But who so, are they going to do it against? Well, I'm saying everyone's going to beat up on Finland. Yeah. So depending on how good Finland is, they can, you know, they could play upset here. They could. They could. But uh, for Finland, the biggest player to watch out for is uh, Timo Pukki. Norwich, he is their star man. I think 30-plus goals for That's Finland in his have. career. He's an outstanding finisher of the ball, highly talented and he's kind of the name to look out for in Finland. Uh, young player in Frederick Jensen, too, 23-year-old from Augsburg in Germany. Uh, skill for winger. Finland, they have some exciting players, just not the household names. Work well as a team. Uh, are one of the stronger, weaker Nation League teams. I know that was an oxymoron, but one of the stronger teams from the bottom tier. And I, th- I think they can maybe get a point. I think if they get a point... This tournament would be a successful tournament for them. So they're more than capable of doing it. All right. Who do you have as one-two here? My one-two is definitely uh, Belgium, Denmark, Russia, Finland last place. Yeah, that's how I have the exact same thing. And I think Russia is going to be one of the best third-place teams going through. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Group C. So Group C, 
uh, contains Ukraine, the Netherlands, Austria, and a massive debut here for North Macedonia. And uh, for those of you that don't know, North Macedonia is the Macedonia that pulled off that massive upset of Germany not too long ago in the World Cup qualifiers, uh, making their tournament debut. Uh, We'll be led on the pitch by the journeyman, Goran Pendev. Uh, We believe this will be his last hurrah for uh, for professional soccer. He should possibly he might possibly retire after this tournament. Played with Genoa this year, scored some big goals. Um, let's talk about yeah. Let's just right away. Let's talk about North Macedonia. Talk about North. Yeah, I mean, exciting players. Almas is there. The Napoli Ford. Almas. They got I, some players that play in Italy. Uh, yeah. Goalkeeper plays for Rayo Vallecano mm-hmm. in uh, in Spain. A couple guys from Dinamo Zagreb. I mean, they got good players. Once again, they're not going to have the t- the ability to they'll finish anywhere higher than fourth. I think they're going to get spanked hard. This is a, this is a tough group. It is a tough group. You got like Ukraine, young, energetic team led by Shevchenko. You got the Dutch, who I think are being underestimated this tournament. And you have Austria, maybe a team they could sneak a point off of. But Austria, too, is some of the household names there. They should have more than enough to be North Macedonia. So for North Macedonia, it's more so be happy that you're there. Enjoy the moment. I don't see them getting a point off of any of these teams, to be honest. I see. No, actually, I see North Macedonia pulling off something here. I think North Macedonia is on par, if not slightly better than Austria. Austria just simply doesn't impress me. Um, and that's why I think the pieces that North Macedonia have, yes, they don't have the household names. They're kind of similar to Finland, but in that I think North Macedonia plays a much more sound team game where all 11 players are involved on in the pitch compared to Finland and what I've seen of them. So I expect them to maybe get a sneaker result past Austria, but then after that, it'll it'll be difficult. Uh, that being said, let's move on to Austria before we get into the big boys there. So how do you see this Austrian team? Austria is a young team that's been underperforming for the last few years. That's the way I look at them. David Alaba, Real Madrid, uh, newly transferred. He's going to be starting in the left mid. He's the leader of this team. They have the talent. Franco Foda is the coach. Uh, had a terrific uh, career coaching Sturm guys, Austrian team. Great team. I mean, they're not going to probably do anything outside of the group stage, even if they do make it through. But they're a team with some pieces. Ultimately, what's going to let the Austrians down is lack of experience outside of David Alaba. They are pretty much all new to the international stage. And Conrad Lehmer, one of their best players in the midfield, is coming in with an injury. So if he can overcome that injury, sure, they got a chance. But usually it doesn't work out that well. When uh, players are coming off of injuries, you can't give it your all. So just some household names to look out for. Alaba Lamer. don't think Austria's going to do much more than maybe squeak out of the group uh, stages. But they'll make interesting games for the other. So let's talk about your dark horse then, uh, the Netherlands. Yes. The Netherlands. So they're coming off their worst ever run internationally not qualify for tournaments uh they missed 2016 the euro and the 2018 world cup so not typical of the orange now their biggest downside is their manager frank de boer we all know how bad of a manager he is (laughs) he's failed everywhere i don't know how he got this job after uh, ronald coleman left for barcelona but at the same time this dutch team six wins one draw one loss 24 goals for seven goals against 
Jorginho Wijnaldum, their leading goal scorer from the midfield. So they got goal scorers in the midfield. They have guys that can score up top and Luke de Jong, Memphis Depay, and they got solid defense. I know Virgil van Dijk is missing, but they brought in De Vrij, Mateus de Ligt, Daily Blind is still there, and, and Net. The only player they're missing is Sillison, but um, in comes uh, Stecklenburg, I think, out the call and Cruel. So not terrible goalies, but from defense to forward, they have all the pieces. It's just a matter of the Dutch, once again, putting it together. And I think they don't have any pressure on them, really. And if you look at the bracket, their bracket is pretty easy if they finish top of this group to go far in this tournament. They won't face a big team, I don't think, until around the quarter semifinal. So the Dutch can go far. They are my underdog, actually, depending on how the third-place draws happen. Uh, but the Dutch are definitely a team to look out for here. Yeah. Uh, definitely a team not to underestimate. Also, Amsterdam is a host city, so they'll be hosting their games in the group stage for another in uh, Amsterdam. So definitely has a huge factor. But the team I want to talk about now is a team I think can do a lot of damage and this is a team that shouldn't be underestimated and i'm talking about the ukraine led by andrei shevchenko a very very nice blend of some experience with a lot of young talent uh, some really key players in there this team predominantly the core of this team plays for shakhtar donetsk and dinamo kiev so they play in ukraine together and then you got these nice spicy pieces a la ruslan malinovsky from atalanta uh, that could offer you a lot. Um, and you can also, you have Alexander Zinchenko from Manchester City. There's so many pieces in the midfield here for this Ukrainian team. Defensively, they're very young. Uh, this would be a great experience factor for them. Uh, they've decided to essentially blow it up from what they had before. Um, so we'll see what happens there. So this Ukrainian team, definitely a team that shouldn't be underestimated they pulled off that massive draw against france in the world cup qualifying as well so yeah. they can claim some scalps yeah the, their biggest weakness once again is it going to come down to goal scoring do they have a guy that can score goals a lot of their goals are going to come from the midfield in ruslan yeah. malinovsky and uh zinchenko but after that there's really not a huge goal scoring threat and not a lot of experience in the back so that is the biggest weakness for ukraine young team though they're going to be a wild card uh, they have struggled since the turn of the new year, 2021. They have, I think they've, they won one game against Northern Ireland, 1-0, and they drew the rest. They drew Bahrain, they drew Kazakhstan, they drew Finland, and they drew France. So they're coming off a rotten run of form. But again, young team, maybe they can turn it around. They'll be a wild card. They should have enough to get out of the group, though, I believe. All right. Who's your 1-2? My 1-2, the Dutch finished first here. Second place is Ukraine, Austria, followed by North Macedonia. So I have a little bit different. I have Ukraine finishing on top. I just think Ukraine is going to surprise people. Mm -hmm. Netherlands finishing second in the group. And then the big surprise here, North Macedonia pulling off a massive upset <laughs> against Austria and thus somehow managing to get into the round of 16. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I know. Cycle. Cycle. Now let's move on to Group D that apparently have the favorites in here. We're talking about England, Croatia, Czech Republic, and Scotland. Who's the favorites? Well, everybody's saying England's the favorite here. <laughs> Let me l listen. Let's t let's get England out of the way. I want to talk about England. Let's go right into England. Okay. You tell me what you think first, because I know you love a good tea and crumpet. <laughs> <laughs> to all my English fans, or friends, sorry, the this England team is arguably one of the most talented squads in the tournament. Really, they are. They are. 
Your biggest handicap is your manager. Big time. And uh, making some really strange decisions about uh, a couple of selections. Um, like bringing four right backs? Yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold now is injured, though. So, yeah, so they, it's, it's just strange. It's just strange. So, But England, uh, arguably, this tournament is kind of made for them. I mean, most one of the most talented squads. The semifinals and the finals are at Wembley Stadium. Can they get there? I don't know. Um, I think they have exactly what it takes to win this group. But the path, if you win this group, is not that great. So it's actually better for England to finish second because then you run into a big team from Group F. Because um, realistically, there's going to be a team from Group Wh- F. Which is why I hate this format. Yeah, but. it's such a strange format. But uh, England, obviously their biggest test, Croatia. They should have way too much quality for the Czech Republic and Scotland. But uh, this English squad, fantastic squad from top to bottom. What do you think? I echo what you're saying. Most talented, probably offensive team in the tournament in regards to the wing positions. Uh, outstanding talent. Jaden Sancho. You have Raheem Sterling. You have uh, Grealish. Not to mention Harry Kane up top. It's outstanding. Bit of a weakness in net. You got the erratic uh, Pickford, Jordan Pickford. He's a bit erratic. Maguire's coming in with a possible injury. I mean, defensively, there's going to be big question marks. Big time. Big question marks. And then in the midfield, there's really no creativity there. The most creative player you have is Jordan Henderson, who's coming off an injury. And then you got the young Jude Bellingham, who's 17. He will be turning 18 towards the end of the tournament. So he's he's uh, one of the guys to look out for. He is going to be exciting. Jude Bellingham, uh, starring at Borussia Dortmund this year, had an outstanding season. So look for him to play a role. And uh, Phil Foden. After that in the midfield, there's really nothing. So England, what it's going to come down to is that offense. Can Harry Kane just score enough goals to beat the opposition? Uh, I think England can make a run, but that bracket... Looks like it might be their downfall. Yeah. They're gonna Wembley's gonna have to be a fortress for them. They've played there twenty three times. They've only lost twice in their history. So Wembley, they got to make it a fortress if they can. I think England can be a very dangerous team. Yeah, definitely. Going forward, definitely. Uh, Any players you're looking forward to uh, on England? Who do you no. think is gonna be their star player anyway in the tournament? Uh, it's gonna be Harry Kane. If yeah. uh, if they're gonna make a run deep, it's gotta be Harry Kane. He's got to go off. I really think they're like they said. Their biggest weakness is Gareth Southgate. How does Gareth Southgate line up an English team against one of the big dogs? And that's where I think he's going to be exposed um, with his lack of inexperience and his lack of uh, creativity and formations and formation adjustments. I just don't think he's that kind of coach. He kind of makes a formation and he sticks to it. And he, to me, he comes into these games scared. I mean, the biggest threat to him is the first game against Croatia. But then after that, he should have, like I said, too much quality for the Czechs and too much for Scotland. Um, But that being said, let's move on to Croatia next. Uh, So Croatia, uh, coming coming into this tournament as the former finalist in the World Cup of 2018, does this, when I saw this squad, uh, this squad doesn't scare me anymore. Like no, I'm, I'm not impressed with this Croatian squad. It's the same Croatian team. It's a little bit older. You have Andre Kramrik, who's probably the most promising, most exciting thing they have going yeah. forward. He he had a good season again in the Bundesliga. It's just a matter of 
translating that on the international stage. Yeah. He's been linked to Davor Sukar, if everyone, anyone remembers him. That's who he's been compared to, but he's yet to obviously reach those levels. Davor Sukar, a fantastic player. Uh, the best Croatia's ever done in Euro was a quarterfinal finish. I don't see them bettering that this tournament. Yeah. I just think there's too many good teams. Um, Croatia should give England, I, I believe, a, a run for first in the group. But ultimately, I don't think guys like Luka Modric and Brozovic, and uh, they're not going to have the legs to, yeah. to keep this going. Well, they've had pretty demanding seasons, so it's a lot more mileage on, these, on, this, on those legs. And yeah, I think they're just going to fall apart. Let's move on to uh, the Czech Republic. Anything you see here with this Czech team? No, this Czech team, it's going to be between them and Scotland for third. Czech Republic, they're solid. Suchek in the middle. Weakness is up top again. They're missing uh, a big piece up top. Schick is their only player, but he really hasn't done it on the international no. stage. Defensively, again, some big pieces missing. Their biggest strength, though, is the midfield. Suchek, Derida, they got good players there. Yankto. So if the midfield can perform, the Czech have a chance. But I don't think, even if they come out of the group stages, you know, the expectations aren't the highest. But Czechs always perform in the Euro at the same yeah, time. So you do. never know. So on to the next team, the Scots. What do you think they're of back. the back? What do you think of the Scots? <laughs> I mean, I think at this point they're just happy to be there. Uh, one of the host cities, Glasgow, it is going to be roaring. I just think that's going to be such an intimidating atmosphere. I think for the Scots and for all my Scottish friends out there, I think you guys are going to play very hard-nosed, counter-attacking football, sit back, soak in the pressure, and maybe scrape a point or two. I don't see Scotland doing much against England. I don't see them doing much against Croatia. Maybe stealing a point against the Czech Republic. Uh that's just how I see it. I just don't think they have the players that stand out. They're just going to be hard-nosed, hard-working, um, and they're going to bank on the defensive counterattack. And if the counterattack backfires, there's no way back in, in the game for them, unfortunately. But uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing Glasgow light up. It's going to be bumping, and uh, I wish them all the best. For the Scottish fans, it's been a long time since they've taken part in the Euro. World Cup 98 was the last major tournament. It was the last one, so... Qualifying was a bit underwhelming. Five wins, five losses. Yeah. They conceded more than they scored. 16 goals for, 19 goals against. And they had to go into penalties twice against Israel and Serbia to qualify. So yeah. they took the extreme long route, the most difficult route of getting in. Um, so Scotland coming out of this group would be a success for them. Yeah. Uh, their star player to look out for, I would say, is John McGinn. Aston Villa midfielder, exciting player, does it all, can score goals, tackle, pass, outstanding player. Uh, and some, I think some young players to watch out for, Che Adams, Southampton, uh, actually switched allegiance from England to Scotland. So yeah. Southampton striker, he'll be playing for Scotland this tournament. And Lyndon Dykes too, switching allegiance from Australia to uh, Scotland. So two young, good attacking players to keep an eye on Scotland. So maybe if those two young guys can light it up i mean scotland have a chance but it will be a long shot for them all right what's your predictions for the group here here i'm gonna have england first croatia second third place the czech fourth scotland but for me it's a flip of a coin for the two of them yeah. i have the exact same as you i just don't think the czechs will be one of the third place teams coming out yeah i agree i think this is one of the groups where it's not going to be as high scoring yeah. and like I said, you need you need a whipping boy in your group. Yeah. I mean, if Scotland 
because they're going to have the home advantage, they're not going to be whipping boys. So I have a feeling exactly one of these third place teams are going to are going to miss out, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think the same for possibly the Italy group and the group of death. But we'll see when we we'll get see. there. All right. Let's move on to Group E. Group E, Spain, Poland, Sweden, and Slovakia. Let's talk about the Spanish first. Start with the Spanish. Let's go. Let's I talk love about Spanish. Your, let's talk about your second team. You I talk about Spain. your second team, and then we'll talk about my second team. Spain. It's the battle of our second teams in this group, Jules. Yeah, Spain's my my second home next to Italy. Uh, I have a soft spot for Spain. I love them. Interesting, not choosing one Real Madrid player. Like I said, this was a team they're building for the next World Cup. Exciting young team bringing in Almeric Laporte from Man City, French international, never got his chance. He was pretty much uh, raised in Bilbao in Basque country. So Spain grabbed him, and uh, he'll be featuring in the center back position. Sergio Ramos, PK, gone. Only player from the old guard is Sergio Busquets coming in. They got a exciting young attack. A few Barcelona players, Pedri, will be the young guy to look up for this guy. Highly talented has the vision of a an older player, great technical ability, great dribbling. This guy will be a superstar one day. And uh, the biggest question marks are going to be up top. They are missing their, let's just say, the Fernando Torres, David Villa type player. But if you look, you, ha- you have Ferran Torres, Gerard Moreno, 29. Um, these guys average a goal every other game for Spain. And if they can go on a run and score a goal, Spain will be a deadly team to play. So Spain, for me, another one of the dark horses being underestimated. I think they can do a lot of damage. I think this will be an easy 3-0 and for them in this group. Yeah, it should be an easy 3-0 and for them. Uh, fantastic team. It is, I mean, we've talked about this off-air. It's very clear that th- these guys are building, the Spanish team is building for the World Cup. That's why they've brought in all these young guys. That's why you don't see Sergio Ramos there. You don't see um, Gerard Pique there. Like the old guard's gone. The oldest guy, unfortunately, was just uh, officially diagnosed with COVID. Was going to be Sergio Busquets. So he might miss the opening he game. He might miss the opening game. But this Spanish team, yeah, they are working towards the World Cup. They are young. They are fast. They got everything. They have a phenomenal manager, Luis Enrique. And uh, they are a team to watch out for. Yeah, we hope to see. I mean, Spain, they're aiming for that 2008-2012 type Spanish team. Uh, Highly talented players that knew how to get it done. They don't want to replicate the old Spain where highly talented but can never get the job done. Would always choke in the big moments. So that's what we're going to see. We're going to see the fortitude of these young guys, see what they have. And uh, this will be their first great big test. And it'll be interesting to see what they do this year. And, of course, like we've already mentioned, leading into the World Cup. Absolutely. Ultimately, for me personally, I think Luis Enrique played the cards right here with this team. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is Spain's group to lose. Now we'll go to your second home. Let's go. Talking about the second home. Talking about Polska, Poland. Uh, Poland in this group. And... uh, Looking through this squad, I'm actually, I act, I have expectations for this Polish team, and I really hope they do well. Love the country, love the people. Kids are half Polish, <laughs> and uh, you know I really hope they do well. Uh, they deserve this a long time coming. But you ask any Polish soccer fan right now uh, what you think of Poland, they do not expect 
anything. And I think that is the perfect atmosphere for them. But can we talk about one of the biggest changes they made was in the managerial position? Yeah, Paulo Souza. I was going to say that. Paulo Souza, uh, very, very, very smart move. So that's the one thing with Poland. Poland, uh, Poland were, were bringing in local managers that didn't really have the experience on the world stage. Uh, they finally set, got fed up, and they brought in Paulo Souza. Paulo Souza, world-class Portuguese coach. He's, been, he's coached around the world. Uh, one of the most no- more notable last teams he managed was Fiorentina in the Serie A. I think he's a very good coach. He's the kind of guy you want to organize. And this is where I see the shift in Poland. And this is this is the shift here. Prior to Paulo Souza, you have the best striker on the planet, Robert Lewandowski. He is the best striker on the planet. What is Robert Lewandowski? He is a finisher. He's not a creative player. He's a straight-out finisher, hitman. That's it. What they would constantly do is they would constantly center everything hung on Robert uh, prior to Paulo Souza. So Robert Lewandowski was not only expected to carry the armband, he was supposed to carry this team creatively and he does, just doesn't have that. So who can Poland rely on for the creative side of the game I to think, feed him? And what Paulo Souza is doing is he's feeding it through Piotr Zielinski. I think he has what it takes to feed the Robert Lewandowski. They used to have the piece in Jakub Blaszczykowski, but obviously with age, Blaszczykowski's not there anymore. Might I add, Jakub Blaszczykowski is Poland's leading goal scorer in Euros with a measly three goals. That's crazy. Which is crazy. Lewandowski's one behind him on two. Yeah. So... Like you said, that's a big part. Zelensky, they got to find a way to feed Lewandowski because Lewandowski should have more than two goals. No, in Euro and he will. I think he will get it here. Um, and the other, the other guys here that I want to talk about is you got some really solid ground in the midfield and Carl Linetti from Torino, and yeah, you got Zegarz Krakowiak too. He's a fantastic, solid holding midfield. Plays really well for his national team. Not so much in club football. Um, so there's pieces there. And I want to talk about this defense, too, really quickly. Uh, Kamel Glik is going to be leading the line with Bednarek from the Premier League. Good pairing? or It's a good pairing. It's a good pairing. And you got some young talent coming up, too. Uh, you also got uh, Davidovic from Hellas Verona. And the big guy on the right back that can pull the strings on the right side. And Bartosz Berezinski from Sampdoria. And at the same time... I will, I've said, we've said it once before, I'll say it again, you have arguably the best trio of goalkeepers going into this tournament. Wojciech Szczesny, Łukasz Fabianski, and Łukasz Skorupski. And so for Poland, I actually expect them to surprise people. I expect them to finish second in the group. I actually expect Poland to be in the final eight. I think that should be a good target for them, especially with Paulo Souza as your manager. And after the quarterfinals, anything can happen from there. But that should be the target for this Polish team. You got some really good pieces, and I wish them all the best, and we'll be following them very closely. Yeah, yeah. One other player to watch out for, Jakub Moder, young yes, player yes. from uh, Brighton. That's right. Only 22 years old, but he can pitch in with a goal. Maybe we'll come off the bench yeah. and uh, you know, maybe play a role. So. One Definitely. of the players to keep an eye out besides, of course, the obvious. Yeah. So let's move on uh, into the next team here, Sweden. Sweden. The what do team. you see about this Swedish team? Yeah, this is going to be the team Poland are going to be battling it out with uh, yeah, for that second place team. This is an aging Sweden squad. Lost their talisman is Latan Ibrahimovic. Yeah. Uh, terrific defensively. They've Offensively been Offensively and-, and defensively. 
Well, offensively, they're shaky. They score two. They average over two goals a game in qualifying. Mind you, it's qualifying, so it will change. Uh, their leading goal scorer was Robin Quice on five goals. So that goes to show you they don't rely on former one player. Palermo player. It's uh, they rely on multiple players to score. Yeah. So Jan Anderson, he's done terrific bringing the Sweden team back, kind of to what it used to be—a nice, solid, competitive team. Uh, but still running with the old guard. I mean, Emil Forsberg still the key guy, mm-hmm. creative linchpin in the midfield. Great offensive player, great offensive weapon. Can pitch him with a long range goal. Good on free kicks. Sub Larson, same thing. Yeah. Um, also, uh, player to note, uh, he had a pretty good season for Sampdoria. Alban Ekdal. Alban Ekdal, yeah. So the players are there. Midfield is strong for Sweden. Defense is decent I'd, I'd say it's strong that the, sweden's main strengths are solidity and they work as a team very hard to break down goalkeeping is uh shaky it's shaky but sweden it's sweet i mean they were running for isaac with isaacson for the longest time yeah i mean they can get by sweden's strength has always been teamwork what they're missing this time around again is that offensive goal score yeah uh once again robert quison only five goals Henrik Larsson's son is in the team, so yeah. that, that would be cool, That'd to, be see cool to see Jordan Larsson uh, continuing the Larsson legacy. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. But Sweden, if they can bang in the goals, will be a, a real threat to some teams. Um, and they'll make this group interesting with their defensive play. So Definitely, definitely. But not, not anything to be excited about for no. them. That's no. why they're so desperate to score goals he brings that time back. That's, that's how desperate That's how are. I saw it, yeah. right? Well, let's move on to the final team, who I think they're they're going to technically be the whipping boys, I think, but they're yes. going to be a difficult team to play against. Cause they always play. They're, they're very well organized, and I'm talking about Slovakia. So Upset Italy. Yeah, 2010. 10. I know that was a long time ago, but... This Slovakian team... Never every, forget. But But every time they go to a tournament, they come out of the group. That's true. Right? No way they do this time. If no, they do, no. they're I'm whipping surprised. boys this time. There's whipping boys this time. I mean, you're going to be led by Marek Hamsik, who's been playing in the Chinese Super League. He's got to be 100 years old, but he's only 33. <laughs> Marek Hamsik. It's crazy. He's still around. But yeah. no, he's playing in Sweden with, Sweden, Go- with Gropberg. Yeah. Sorry. He's still their main guy. So that goes to show you Slovakia really hasn't evolved it, it really hasn't you have no. screener back there screener is a, the star yeah, man of the defense great. but after that who's you, their goalkeeper again uh qualifying record was not the greatest four wins one draw three losses 13 goals for 11 against so defensively not good offensively don't score goals they scraped in just by beating republic of ireland on penalties and then they went through northern ireland after extra time so they didn't beat great teams in the playoffs either so slovakia just like scotland have to be happy to be there. Anything's extra. I can't imagine Slovakia challenging Poland, Sweden, no. and uh, you know too much. Uh, yeah, Slovakia is there to make up the numbers. Their I think. goal, their goalkeepers are Martin Dubravka from Newcastle. That's it, Newcastle. Yep, Dubravka. and then their other goalkeeper is Dusan Kusak from Lechegodinsk. So, so Dubravka is the main guy. Excellent. Yeah. He's a he's a great goal. He had an excellent yeah. season in Newcastle, but I mean. Slovakia, and they still got. Remember this name? They still got Vladimir Weiss in this team. Yes, Vladimir Weiss. So, listen, Juraj Kuka. This team hasn't changed much. Parma. Yes, Kuka's still there. 
But again, another household name hasn't changed much. Slovakia is going to struggle. No. Oh, they're going to struggle. There's no, there's no big number nine there. No. To rely on. Bottom of the table for Just me. Just one player they can watch out for is Thomas Suslov. He's could be an exciting player. He's a, uh, he's a wide player, good footwork, good dribbling ability. But we can say that about every young player that shows exactly. up. It's a matter of does he have it when it matters. So. Yeah. But just a name to watch out for. Tomas Suslov from Slovakia. Okay. What are your what are your standings for Group E? My standings for Group E, Spain hands down taking this group. I think so too. Second's going to be Sweden, Poland third, last place Slovakia for me. All right, for me I got Spain hands down 9 points. I got Poland in second place. I think Poland's got more quality than Sweden. That's what it's going to come down to. Sweden is going to finish in third place, but Sweden is not going to be one of the teams coming out of the out of the group stage. They're going to be the second uh, third place team that's knocked out in my opinion and of course Slovakia last so finally let's move on to group F group of death the group of death we're going to talk about France Portugal Germany Hungary wow yeah and Hungary is a whole uh, Budapest is a host city wow yeah so no I know Hungary host city or not they're going to get You'd have to imagine they're going to oh, get Oh, they're going to get smashed. They're meeting Portugal smashed. again, just like Euro 16. That was a tough game, though. They tied 3-3. They did. Let's start with Hungary. Yeah, let's start with them. Hungary, a inexperienced squad. Adam Schalai is still their striker, but after that, the midfield is going to be completely new. Defense completely new from what, I, what fans have seen from in the past, um, from 2016. When percentage was 50% of qualifying, Conceded 11 goals, scored uh, 8. So, honestly, do they have a chance against these three? I highly doubt it. There's nothing really exciting about Hungary. They are the host city. Maybe They're that, one of them. One of them. Maybe that will help a little bit. Ultimately, I don't I don't give Hungary a chance. Uh, interestingly enough, former Italian defender Marco Rossi is the manager. So, he better have his Catenaccio book dusted off. Open up the pages. Look up what section. Because he's going to have a lot of work. Out of them. So, for me, Hungary, not a chance in hell. No, what do you think? <laughs> not a chance in hell. Zero points. A big fat donut <laughs> in the tournament. Uh, let's move on to the Germans. The other host city is Munich in this group. Yeah, so, and Germany's playing all their games in all Munich. All in Munich, yeah. Germany, we know how Germany are at home. They One are of, deadly. Yeah. Euro, I mean, World Cup 2006, a good example. You know, yeah. what the home crowd allowed them to do with not the greatest german team this german team ultimately is in a is in a rebuild yeah north macedonia they lost calling recalling mats homos thomas muller uh from retirement not chosen retirement but yogi low this will also be his last tournament yeah before hansi flick comes in it's about time what do we think about the germans the germans are the germans but christian what do you think the germans can do in this tournament you never count the germans out Ever, ever. They're going to make it out of the group. Um, I think it's going to be a little more difficult for them to navigate through this group of death. Um, just with their recent poor performances. I mean, that loss to North Macedonia, that poor performance in the Nations League. I mean, they've been they've been poor the past couple of years. But when it comes to a major tournament, you never count the Germans out. They always find a way through. And... Uh, you know, the fact that Munich, they'll be hosting all their group games in Munich uh, is an added bonus. Um, will this be Manuel Neuer's last tournament? I don't know. 
Uh, it all depends on what Flick wants to do going forward. But the one, the the piece I want to talk about is defense. I mean, a guy I love very, very much, uh, and this German defense just recently won the Champions League with Chelsea and did say Forza Roma in his uh, in his uh, medal speech. Forza Roma sempre, Antonio <laughs> Rudiger. I think he's a phenomenal center back. He's really bloomed into becoming a rock back there. And uh, I think I th- I, he should get the start, in my opinion, oh, he will. just he will. on what he's done. And uh, I just think that defensively they're going to be sound. I think the experience of Mats Umos says a lot. I think it's a good move by Lowe to bring in Mats Umos because you have that experience piece. Um, at the same time, you have a guy back there in Robin Gosens uh, who had a phenomenal season with Atalanta. So you have a predominantly young German squad looking towards the future with a couple of pieces of experience back there. So I think they're I think they're just like Spain. They're they're working towards the World Cup, and it's a very smart move. You bring in all the young guns, you bring in, you sprinkle a little bit of experience on top, and it's dangerous. Like Joshua Kimmich in the midfield, Tony Cruz is the old man. Um, Jamal Musiala chose uh, yep. Germany over England. Yep. Young 18-year-old. 18-year-old. Leon Goretzka, Leroy Sané, Gondogan, Emery Chan, Thomas Müller, like we said, coming back. Yeah. I you mean, know, Thomas Müller's only 31. I know, and he's had 101 appearances. Yeah. And, you know, for me, this Germany team, this is, for me, if when I look at these names, one of the best, for me personally, one of the best defensive teams Germany has put in a tournament in a long time, which isn't I, typical for I the Germans. I agree with you. But here's the problem. Up top. Up top. They don't have... Yeah. This is the weakest probably German team up top. Up top. But this sure. is a Yogi Lowe signature. The right. guy doesn't bring forwards. And again, he brought he brought only really one out-of-night striker in Timo Werner. One. Yeah. And Timo Werner, we see Chelsea, he misses open nets all the time. Yeah. Scores the hard ones, misses the easy ones. He's Yes, he did win the Champions League. He played a part in the goal for Kai Havertz, but... He's a frustrating striker. Yeah. Not a German striker no. by any means. By you look at close uh, Mario Gomez in, in recent you know history to reference him uh, or to compare him to. I think uh, I agree. That's going to be the weakness. But the Germans, they will find ways to score goals. I have no doubt about it with their movement off the ball. Serge Gnabry, Thomas Muller, Leroy Sané. I think they're going to be a handful for any team. Yeah. Uh, and... I think it's kind of a blessing for Germany in a way too to be put into this group of death because I think going up against Germany, going up against, I mean, going up against France, going up against uh, Portugal, if they can claim some scalps there, once the Germans are confident, they're like a machine. When yeah. The Germans are easiest to beat when they're low on confidence, which they're currently low. They're low right now, especially after that loss to North Macedonia. And uh, they haven't beat a big team in a while. Spain smashed them six nothing, in uh, just before the end of last year. So they got a lot to prove. Germany, if they can claim a scalp off either Portugal or, or uh, France, it will go a long ways for them. So for sure, I think for me, one of the danger teams in the tournament, Germany. I agree. Now let's move on to defending champions, Portugal. Portugal. So, won, won one game in, releg- in uh, regulation time in 2016, might I ask. This is why I hate this format. They tied on paper. They won one game within 90 minutes. All the other games went into overtime or penalty shots. That's how they won the tournament. So, yeah. 
still got to win it, though. Definitely. Can they do that again? Will they go an entire tournament, just win one game and win it all? Can they repeat? Will Cristiano Ronaldo finally be a leading goal scorer in a major tournament, which he's never done in his international career? It's big questions. Big questions. I like this Portugal squad as much as I hate to say it. I think if there's a team that's capable of repeating, it's Portugal. And uh, I just think you got a lot of the same pieces that are there. Yes, they're a little bit older, but you also got some really nice, talented pieces in the midfield. And then you got Cristiano Ronaldo up top. At the end of the day, you have Cristiano Ronaldo up top, and you got Bruno Fernandes in the midfield. That says a lot. What do I think about this Portugal team in defense? That's where I'm a little, eh, you know, because you got Pepe, 38 year old Pepe, still running around back there like you really don't have a better option come on i mean there are better options and i'm talking about ruben diaz uh, i'm talking about joao cancelo so there's some options there we'll see we'll see who they choose to go with but obviously pepe is going to be one of the guys starting it's it's kind of like the giorgio Chiellini debacle in italy you know it's going to be him you think it shouldn't be him but you know you're going to have to live with it right um, going into the midfield though, this is where it gets exciting because you have Bruno Fernandez from Manchester United who had a phenomenal season for them. He was basically the Manchester United lifeline throughout the whole season. Uh, you also have Joao Moutinho, uh, who is fantastic. Uh, you have Renato Sanchez coming but, off. Of- but do we think guys like Joao Moutinho still have it in him? Yes. To perform. Yes. At this level. Yes. Yes, I think João Moutinho's got one more tournament left in him. He's got one more tournament left in him. Bernardo Silva. Like, this midfield, Jules, is talented. Yeah, it's a talented midfield. Again, it's another midfield that doesn't really score a lot of goals. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter. Let's face it. You have, I know, they have Ronaldo up top. But not only Cristiano Ronaldo, you have João Felix. João Felix, yes. He's yet to hit the ground running with Portugal. He's been underwhelming in the because goal scoring he's department. Been in- Ronaldo he's been shadow. Ronaldo's shadow, yes. Yeah. So, but he's gonna say, I think they're gonna play them side by side. It would make sense to do that, because then who else? Do you, like, I mean, Andre, you got Andre Silva, okay, Diego Yota or Diogo Yota, but it's gonna be Joao Felix and Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Yeah. Ultimately, what it comes down to, Fernando Santos, I think he's lost one game yeah. in in. Uh, Euro qualifiers or a Euro, Euro Cup. He's only lost one game ever between the two combined, and it was against Ukraine. So he's amazing at these competitions. Yes. His tactics are defense first, and the forwards, a moment of magic creates something. That's that's the way he runs his no, team. Oh, when you have Cristiano, you Very can defense. do that. Oh, yeah, you can. When you, guys, when, you have, exactly, when you have guys like Joao Felix and Cristiano Ronaldo, they can create stuff out of nothing. What's going to be the backbone of this Portuguese team is the defense again. Now... It's a little bit more offensive, this Portuguese team, com- uh, compared to teams in the past. Will they be able to hold out and play this rock-solid defensive game? And I can see like they used to. The group stages are going to be huge for them this time around. It will be a real test. Just like Germany. If Germany... I mean, if Portugal can get through this group stage, get the confidence going, again, they're going to be another juggernaut. For me, it's going to be between them and Germany. They're going to be interchanging for that second spot. France, I think, is a shoo-in. Yeah. But... Uh, that Germany game is huge against Portugal. For and that's sure. going to show who who the better team is and who will go the furthest in this tournament. Yeah. And Both, that's the second game in this group. Yeah. So 
that game's going to be massive. Portugal, definitely. I like the team. But for me, questions slightly in the defense. Uh, just especially with the age of some of the players. And the midfield, for me, don't score enough goals. Yeah. With, so ultimately, we'll see how they uh, they do against the, these top teams in their group. Yeah. Now let's move on to the favorite to win this tournament, the French, France. Just tell me about France. Hands down, their tournament to win. Absolutely. Nobody even comes close. No. Defending they, World uh, they are the World Cup champions. And the they're runners up from Euro twenty sixteen. And they're a team that hasn't even hit their peak. I mean, France is that good. If you want a nitpick, weakness is definitely a net. Hugo Lloris is a weakness. Steve Mandanda, I think, passed it. Mike Magnan is their third goalie. Recently signed for AC Milan. For me, he should be starting at net, not Hugo Lloris. Yeah, I agree. So that's their weakness. If you look at their defense, all young, all under 30, all in the prime of their career almost, it's insane, this uh, French team. Um, and it's going to be led by Rafael Varane. Again, you're going to have the household names of Pavard, Luca Dinier or Luca Dean. Uh, Lucas Hernandez is there. I mean, this team's so good, Theo Hernandez got cut. Yeah. They didn't need him. Best uh, left back in... Uh... In Serie A. Almerec Laporte switched allegiances to uh, Spain. So that goes to show you how much depth there is in the defense of France. Yeah. Fantastic. Midfield, not much has changed. It's the same household names in Pogba, Kante, Toliso, Rabiot, Lamar, and Sissoko. So if, you know, if there was another department where they could be beat is in the midfield for me in this tournament hands down i think italy has the best midfield skill player for player i think they could compete with france but where the difference is is up top we see the names up top it's just ridiculous they're bringing karim benzema out from the wilderness i think after four or six years so he can win a euro and go to jail right after he's done (laughs) which is amazing and then they got mbappe olivia Giroud. Antoine Griezmann, it's just ridiculous. Kingsley Filthy. Coleman, Ben Yedder, Marcus Turam, it's insane. Filthy. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, so if anyone's going to take advantage of this French team, French team, it's going to be go after Loris, who is always culpable of making mistakes, and go after the midfield, make Pogba run, make Lamar run. The only guy that can defend there is Toliso and Kante. So yeah. go after those guys. Yeah. What do you think of this French team? No, Christian? I agree. This is their tournament. If they don't win this, it's an utter failure for the national team. Uh, but we've seen this before. We've seen France go on a tear, and then France will show up to this next tournament, heavy favorites, and just fall apart. I mean, we saw it happen in 2002 in Korea. They were defending Euro and World Cup champions. Exactly. And they fell apart. Um, in 2008, they were finalists in 2006 for the World Cup. 2008, they go into the Euro, don't even come out of the group. So, yeah, I mean, uh, anything can happen. But realistically, if I'm thinking with my head and not my heart, it's France's tournament. Yeah, player to player. Hands down. The, they are on a whole other level. Yeah. How Belgium is ahead of them in the FIFA World Rankings, I have no idea. Nobody comes close to them. Not Brazil, not Argentina. There is no team on the planet that comes close to France right now. Yeah. Like I said, they could fill they could field three squads if they wanted to. They could. They could. And realistically, you know, my hope in as deep as Italy goes is we're gonna run into them. 
And if Italy, if Italy beats them, oh, it'll be euphoria for me. Oh, it'd be and crazy. I'm going to want it. It'd be insane. I'm going to want that. I'm going to expect that. But if Italy go out of the out of the Euro because we ran into France, I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm just going to... I wouldn't be upset about that. No. You go up I, against you, the best. You would, you would hope they'd go up against the best and have a good showing and that's not roll what, over and get smashed like they did in Euro 2012. Against Spain. Yeah, that's against right. Against Spain. That's right. I agree. At, at least show up to the, uh, yeah. you know, the big show. I think so. So saying that, let's do uh, some predictions. Okay. Let's give our top four and then state who you think is going to win the tournament. I want to know who's going to win the golden boot for you. Okay. And uh, I want to know who your young player of the tournament you think is to watch out for. Okay. So first top, the semifinalist. Who do you think will be the semifinalist in the bracket? So I did a mock, a mock, uh, basically path, because whoever finishes third place, the the matchups are different. It's, that screws it's, it up. It's so chaos. Much. It's yeah. chaos. So here is what I have, and I know what you're all gonna think. Roma Pazza. So it's true. I have uh, France and Italy in one semifinal, and I have. Turkey and Portugal in the other semifinal. Guys, a cycle. <laughs> no, I just, I honestly think Turkey are flying so under the radar and they are so much better than people think. And I just think that is going to bite so many countries in the ass when they play them. I really do. Because really, who's Turkey going to run into? Turkey's going to run into Denmark realistically in the round of 16 if they finish second. They can beat Denmark. Then Turkey's going to run into Germany in the quarters. I think Turkey can beat them. Uh, realistically, I think Turkey can beat them. And that's where you go into the semifinals. Portugal, on the other hand, I think Portugal is going to play a massive upset and beat England in the round of 16 because England's path is not easy if they win the group. And we all know Italy's, England's going to win the group. So I have Portugal beating England in the round of 16 and then Portugal beating Spain in the quarterfinals. A repeat. Not then, since Spain have done it. Yeah. Uh, like, that's what I have. And... Uh, <laughs> That's just what I feel. Get your Portuguese flag out. Let's go. <laughs> that's just what I, no, but I'm being honest. Like that's what I feel. No, I'm that's being good. Honest, right? We like we like it. It's a good prediction. Um, so Portugal to beat France in the final. Portugal to beat France in the final. I have the repeat and I, I would have, say who's your dark horse. So is Portugal is your favorite to win. Portugal's my favorite to win. I think Portugal. Just after you said France hands down should win the tournament. Portugal's your favorite to win. So who's your dark horse after Portugal? If someone had to win this, who would be your dark horse? Oh, I have to go with my Azuri. I have the to. I have to. That's a that's a fair enough dark I have horse. To. They are a dark horse, but they are that is the perfect setting for us. People people forget in two thousand and six we were ranked thirteenth in the world and we were going through Calcio Poli. Nobody expected us to do anything. And look what we did. That is when Italy shines. Two thousand and eight, we were defending World Cup champions going into the Euro. We we sucked. Because we were a favorite. 2010, we were defending champions. We sucked. Euro 2012, not, nothing expected. We we're going into a rebuild. We make the final, for crying out loud. Like, that's how we are. <laughs> then you expect something in 2014. They do nothing. 2016, you expect nothing. They almost take Germany out in the quarters. Like, that's, that's how Italy is. That's, that's my dark horse. Let's talk about you then. Let's talk about your final four. And then we'll get in. So who do you think the golden boot's going to be first? It's a tough one. If Portugal goes all the way, I think you're going to see a tournament for Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo. I think, and this will this will end. If Portugal wins this tournament and Cristiano Ronaldo is the golden boot, this ends the Messi-Ronaldo debate, hands Ooh. down. Hands down. 
So Ronaldo will be the best set of the two. Listen, well, Ronaldo will be there at the World Cup. As much as I hate to say it, Ronaldo's gone around to different clubs and he's won everywhere he's gone. One guy has stayed with Barca. It's true. Right? It's true. So you have Ronaldo. He's he's done nothing with Argentina, right? There you go. And And I I love Lionel Messi. I don't hate him. I just, I'm, I'm being objective here. And what do you think, young player of the tournament, if you had to choose one? I know that's hard to pick, but. That's a real hard one. Like, if you had one young player, who's going to make a name for himself this tournament? Even if it's from Italy, a young player. What's that kid's name? Giacomo Raspadori. No, no. I'm not from, from Italy. Not from Italy. What country? England. Who's that kid? James, uh, Phil Foden. Uh, yeah. Phil Foden. I think Phil Foden is going to be phenomenal. I like that pick. I like yeah. that pick. He's going to shock the world. People, like, if you guys don't know who Phil Foden is, you're nuts. Especially after the Champions League. Yeah. And the season he's had, you know, yeah. benching yeah. certain midfielders. I know all our English design. friends are going to love that. That I'm picking Phil Foden. <laughs> no, I, I love I love that pick. Yeah, I think he's, I honestly think he's phenomenal. See, I'm trying to be as objective and unbiased as possible here. Yeah, fair in enough. This episode, right? Fair enough. So, that's my young player. All right. So, my top four. Go I definitely have Italy-France semifinal. And the other one, the third place screws it up for me. It does. It's tough. It's tough. So if if the table works out the way I saw it work out, I have Spain and Netherlands in the other semifinal, and I have a France-Spain final with uh, France winning it. So France is going to be my winner. My dark horse team depends on the bracket. I mean, if England avoid their stupid draw, if they finish first and they get screwed, I mean, that's complete stupidity. I don't get it. But if England can get an easy path, I think England have a legit chance of reaching the final. But their path is so convoluted with third place teams and stuff like that. I don't even want yeah, to think I mean, about it. English fans, like I'll give you a quick rundown. So if you guys finish, if you guys finish first in your group, realistically, you gotta you gotta run through second place in Group F, which will be Portugal or Germany in the round of sixteen or alone. France. Even we never know. Or France, yeah. Well, it shouldn't happen. And then after that, you're gonna be realistically playing Spain in the quarterfinals. And to get to the semis. Like, that's ridiculously tough. And then if you finish second, you'll have a pretty good round of 16 because you could realistically set yourself up against Poland or Sweden. Exactly. So. Somewhere there in Group C. But then after that, you run into a team like France. Yeah. The so the quarterfinals are always going to be hard, but yeah. that round of 16 game is huge. It's huge. And England can it's get huge. screwed off the bat. So I think if England can... The target should be second. As weird as that sounds. I know. It should be second. Same with Italy. It yeah. should be well, Italy second. But we should win first because I think we're, we're better than the Netherlands. We're going to beat the Netherlands. We're better than Belgium. We've already spanked them with our worst squad ever five years ago. And, it's true. And, you know, yeah, I guess first is the way to go for Italy. So yeah. it's just the third place. The third place, everybody is so screwed up. It's weird. They should just go back to sixteen teams. That's it. The best. That was of the, the crop. That's what made the Euro to me when it was sixteen teams. The Euro to me was better than the World Cup because every game was it was massive, massive. But ultimately, yeah, that that's my final four. Who's your young player? My young player of the tournament is probably gonna go to. I know it's not an exciting pick, but but Allah. I'm going to say... Nicolo! I hope he has a fantastic tournament. I think he's going to have a fantastic tournament. If I had to choose someone that wasn't from the Azzurri and choose another player, I think uh, 
the the player that's going to light it up is going to be Pedri. I really believe in that kid yeah, from, from Spain. Spain. I think he's going to be outstanding. So those are my two young players to watch out what for. about your golden boot? My golden boot, once again, it comes down to the path a little bit. But when I look at the groups, for me, the golden boot's going to come down to who's playing against the shoddiest defenses. Mm-hmm. And England has some pretty... Weak defender, weak defensive teams in their group: Scotland, Czech Republic, yeah. uh, Croatia can be got at. So I think Harry Kane. I yeah. think he really could. A good pick. Get involved in the goals. Yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, that's a good pick. And then after that, it depends. Knockout stage, yeah. anything can happen. Absolutely. But usually, five, four to five goals wins the Golden Boot for this tournament. Yeah, uh, roughly, right? And I could see him scoring five goals on the group stage alone, hands down. Now, before we wrap up, I just want to make this one quick analogy. I know we've gone for a while, but I just want to make this one quick analogy. You did talk about it. You did bring up a player that I didn't talk about early on, but I just want to say really quickly, Giacomo Raspadori. Yeah, let's talk about it. You know what? I want to talk about for the, it. For the people that are done with the podcast, done. Now, let's talk about the Azzurri because there's, <laughs> there's been a lot of controversy with this pick. No, there has been. And Juliano and I, we, lo- we love all, all the podcasts out there. Um, I just cannot believe the amount of Italian fans that are upset by this pick and, because it excludes Moise Keane. Please, give me a break. What has Moise Keane done? And I hope you guys are all listening. What has Moise Keane done? Niente. Niente. He's done nothing. He's the exact same player as Belotti and he's the exact same player as Chiro. So why are you going to bring a third player? And, and he's a dribbler like Chiesa, which Chiesa is 50 times better dribbler than Moise right. Kane is. So what, right. what role will Moise Kane play in this team? Nothing. Zero. So Nothing. you understand why Mancini would drop him. Yes. Now everyone, like you said, is losing their shit yeah. because it's Moise Kane. Yeah. Because he's, Who gives a shit? Because he, he has a celebrity, the following, the Who cares? the name, the... Yeah. You know, he's the hottest thing on the street right now for Italy. It doesn't matter. Moise no. Kane... Yes, he plays for Petit Saint-Germain. He's done yeah. nothing for the Azzurri to be a guaranteed call-up. Yeah. Italy's not missing anything by him not being no. there. And no. Giacomo Raspadori, yeah. I think a lot of people are underestimating this kid. This is a kid that benched Chicho Caputo. Yeah. He benched... Uh, who was the other Sassuolo striker? He anyway. He, Juricic? He benched two Sassuolo strikers to get into the first team. Yeah. This is a kid... He's a kid who's under part, part of the under twenty one Nazionale team. We lost yeah. to Portugal. Yeah, right. A great Portuguese team. Yeah, like this kid's legit. He's a nine and a half. He's a guy that picks up the ball, dribbles, runs at yeah. players, can win penalties. He can yeah. shoot. He can score. Like for the people that are choosing Moise Kane over Raspadori, they clearly don't watch City. You're not watching Sassuolo. You're no. You're and not. Giacomo you're just Raspadori. watching the big games. You're just watching the UV game. That's it. You got to watch. Sassuolo, you got to watch Giacomo Raspadori. Don't look at his goal count because he came in later on in the season. He is phenomenal. He's hot right now. Why wouldn't you bring him? Why wouldn't you bring him? And then two other choices I want to talk about real quick. Okay? Two other choices I want to talk about real quick. People are beside themselves that Rafael Toloi was also picked. Rafael Toloi was brought in for versatility. Rafael Toloi could play on the right side and the center back. Actually, don't be surprised if Rafael Toloi is your starting right back. 
with who we have in Florenzi and Di Lorenzo. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm giving you the Florenzi. The Florenzi was a failure as a right winger, <laughs> failure in the midfield, failure as a right okay. back, and this guy's the goddamn starter for the Azzurri. Okay. Couldn't even. He was sharing time with a 22-year-old French player who's oh, not even on the national God. team, and this guy's are starting right back. Give me a break I'm for all the Florenzi lovers. I don't understand <laughs> the fascination with Florenzi. That's why I said earlier in the podcast. Now I'm going to fire it up. I don't understand why Florenzi is the starting right back for this team. This guy does not deserve to be anywhere near the Azzurri. Doesn't deserve to be anywhere near. And we're going to lose to France because of him. We don't know if he's going to start yet. <laughs> we don't know if he's going to start yet. Give it to give it to Rafael Toloi. I think Rafael Toloi is more, more than likely going to be your starting right back. And the other guy I want to talk about that everybody's given flack for, but let's talk about versatility, is our fellow Canadian, Brian Cristante. Okay. Listen, Giuliano has already said, told me, I think he's going to play a minute. But Giuliano said, he's, this guy's probably not going to see a minute on the field. Cause he's, I, th- I think he's just there. I say that because, not to he, say he's bad, he's just there to cover any injuries. It's, it's a versatile pick. He can play center back. He can play holding mid. He can even play attacking mid. He can play anywhere except forward. He can't play forward and goalkeeper. So it's cover. That's what it is, is cover. And uh, no, I agree with I like the pick. Yeah. Who uh, else are you going to bring? No, there is no one else. Who else are you going to bring? I mean, the only person I'm disappointed that Mancini didn't pick, obviously, is Mancini from yeah, Roma. F- for me, I mean, it was, yeah. He should have been there. He should have been there, but he's not, and so be it, right? But all these people that are criticizing, like we've listened to quite a few podcasts. And everyone, the Everybody's biggest thing. Everybody's beside themselves about Moise Keane not going, who cares? What has Moise Keane done? He's done nothing. It's not to say he's a bad player or anything. No. And yes, this is huge because, you know, this that's would the, be this would be a nice tournament for him to go into. But you know what? If Chiro, this goes for Chiro too. If Chiro and Balotti both fail to score goals for the Zuri this, this tournament, for cut him. See you later. This is it for them. Then bring in Moise Kane. That's why Giacomo Raspadori is there. Because he's different from the rest of the striking core. He's different from the rest of them. And at the same time, Chiro, Andrea, Bellotti, you guys don't perform well. This is the guy that's taking your spot for Qatar 2022. Can we just say some things besides we're not going to talk about the Benucci Chiellini thing anymore. We know we're not happy about it. A lot of people aren't. But let's talk about another department where we think Mancini screwed up in. And you know where I'm going with this. And it has to do with the forward line. Yeah. What do you think he could have done better in regards to the recruitment for forward? Because this is the we've, first time... We've talked about this. This is the first time Italy has not brought what to this tournament? A hitman, a target man, a big a, boy, an aerial threat, if you will. So you look at the past. I mean, Euro, last major tournament, Euro 2016, we had Graziano Pelle. Uh, World Cup 2014, Mario Balotelli. Euro 2012, Mario Balotelli. 2010, I guess it was Iaquinta. Um, 2008, Luca Toni. 2006, Luca Toni. 2004, 2002, Christian Vieri. We've always had... What's my point? My point is we've always had a hitman. We don't have any aerial threat, um, which is scary. I mean, Giacomo Raspadori is a smaller guy. Chiro is not a... He's not good in the air. Andrea Bellotti is not good in the air. And uh, who we don't really, there's not really many out there. I mean, the only real options you had was bringing Graziano Pelle with you, 
mind you, he's only played a few months, but he made a big difference for Parma, which is which would have been crazy. But it's for it's for ten fifteen minutes, especially if you're down. But that that's why I think he brought in Bonucci and Chiellini specifically because they do have I think eight goals apiece in, in their but. We're relying on defenders to score the goals, I know, which is I know. which is it's as much as I hate to say it. This was uh, this was the opportunity for Andrea Patania to come in, but the way he performed towards the end of the season, he just and his fitness levels towards the end of the season were terrible. It was yeah. a joke for a professional. Yeah. So, but I think this is my worry for Italy. That's why I'm I'm I think they should do good. But my worry is that Italy have a glaring weakness, and it's they do not know how to break down teams. That sit back. If a team decides to sit back against them, like Wales, like uh, Switzerland, well. Switzerland, like you're going to see the Azzurri struggle against Switzerland unless they get a lucky deflect a goal or something. Italy will struggle against teams that decide to sit back because they don't move the ball around fast enough between the midfielders they do. But when it gets to the top, to Insigne, to Ciro, to Chiesa, they hold on to the ball way too long and they don't do the one-touch, two-touch passing. It gets lost. Once it's outside the midfield... It, the play slows right down. Yeah. Our offense thrives on running into space into the back. And that's going to be Italy's weakness. They second they play that team that sits back. They're going to be, I feel, in big trouble. And not having that big guy is an option to come off the bench for crosses, for set pieces, is really going to be a hindrance. Everyone, I mean, everyone in that Sardin lineup up top and in the midfield is, I think, under six foot. Barardi might be the tallest guy in the team. Yeah. And Barardi... I don't think Six. has ever touched the ball with his head in his life. No. So yeah, there's no it's it's pretty one-dimensional. I mean, aerial threat heading the ball is a major part of the game, and you've completely taken that out of your arsenal scoring goals. You look at France, Benzema, Giroud. They have the little guy in Griezmann, Mbappe, not the smallest guys, but they're under six foot. They're not guys that win. Yeah. No, Griezmann does win headers, but yeah. he's still a smaller guy. You know, Germany has their Thomas Müller. The Dutch have uh, De Jong. Uh, you can go Harry Kane. You can go through everyone. Spain have Alvaro Marata. So every team has a big guy option except Italy. Italy. Italy is one of the only superpower teams that does not have the big guy option. No. And it's, for me, a big minus yeah. on the Azzurri. And a big drop of the ball from uh, Mancini. Big time. Big time. Well, we, I think we just have to get that off our chest. Because we've been listening to a lot of preview shows. <laughs> Um, and we wanted to make sure you, our fans, understand our stance on this Italian team who we have been following since the start of Tifosi Football Radio. So that will sum up our preview show for Euro 2020. We hope you've enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed the analysis. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. Uh, like us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Uh, like us on Instagram. Send us an email, tifosifootballradio at gmail.com. We are going to be with you every step of the way for this Euro 2020 tournament. We are going to have some special tifosi from different countries, hopefully on this podcast with us, breaking down some games. Uh, and uh, until next time, ciao ragazzi. Ciao ragazzi. Forza Zuri. Forza Italia, baby. Tune, We're back. Tune in Friday afternoon for the Azzurri game, opening the tournament against Turkey. That's right. Don't forget. Italy, Turkey at the Stadio Olimpico. Three o'clock is the game. Two o'clock is the pre-show. It is on TSN in Canada. And uh, please enjoy it. This is our time, Italian fans. This is we've been waiting for this for a long time, and uh, 
can't wait for that moment. Ciao. Ciao ragazzi.